0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello, I'm Andre Yo, Deputy News Editor for The Straits Times. I'm David Sun, Crime Correspondent with The Straits Times.
1: And I'm Jessie Lim, a journalist with The Straits Times.
0: You're listening to the 10th episode in a podcast series by The Straits Times called Stop Scams. Since 2016, victims have lost more than $1 billion to scams. In this episode, we are speaking with Mr. Frankie Poir, Head of Group Risk Management at UOB.
1: Thanks for joining us today, Frankie.
0: Hi. Hi, Frankie. What does the Group Risk Management team at UOB do? And what are some of the risks or threats that your bank customers can face? For banking is a risk-taking
2: business, so the Group Risk Management function sets the limits and policy and framework to manage risk Now, we do not say discourage risk but we want to make sure that risk are made in the acceptable range. Now, in particular, when it comes to scam and fraud management, we are doing our part to load out a series of anti-scam measures to help our consumer, to let them feel safe as they use more and more digital banking services. So that is important because we want the consumer to feel that they are safe while they use digital banking services.
0: So you said two to three years ago, you will be noticed that scams was a threat. What happened? I mean, what made you all feel like, okay, this is something to look at?
2: But if you look at the statistics, for example, just let's say in 2021 alone, you know, I personally was very surprised when we see that the scam losses was about $630 million in a year. No? So that itself tell us that actually scams are happening no, to a large scale no, in a country like Singapore. And of course, if you look at last year, first half of last year, we are talking about 350 million losses, you know, by scammer. Now, what I wanted to explain here is that while we look at all these scam losses, people tend to associate scam losses with the banking industry, you know. And the reason is because all of the money are in the banking system, alright. So when the scammer mislead, it seems like the money will come from the banking system. But the truth of the matter is that most of these scams are what we call authorized scams, you know. In fact, I think 99% of the scams reported in April are authorized scams. Now, what do I mean by authorized scam? Authorized scams are scams whereby the victim, they themselves use their own password and credential, transfer money out to the scammer, you know. So this, when we say authorized scam, means that from the bank's point of view, all these are above point, no? they are properly authorized. It's very difficult for bank to uh, detect. Now, we talk about bank phishing scam, in technical term, we call it unauthorized scam because it is not authorized by the account holder. So it's not authorized from the point of view of the account holder, customer. Or the term we use is seemingly authorized. And these are scams whereby it's like the LTS scam, the CaloSale scam, whereby the scammer actually deceives you into giving up your credential. But they are the ones who use your banking credential to transfer money out. That we call it unauthorized scam. So there's a difference, you know. So, if you look at the statistics, unauthorized scam is very small, the losses. Authorized scam is very large. And the way to address authorized scam actually is to education. You know? Now, example of authorized scam, I would say, would be like love scam, investment scam. So, when you think that you're transferring money to your lover, you actually authorize it, you know, willingly, you know. So it's very difficult for a bank to stop you, you know. Sometimes bank will do a part to convince you that that is not your lover. But, you know, it's very difficult for you to accept that after investing six months of my life or one year of my life with this lady or this man, you, you're
3: telling me that he or she is a scammer. Yeah? Frankie, I'm just going to jump in here. Um, perhaps you can, you know, share with us an actual case where uh, UOB staff uh, came across a victim, you know, who, who was going to transfer to a love scam or something and they tried to stop and persuade this victim, you know, to not make the transfer.
2: Okay, we have a case of a love scam. I think it was uh, detected at our outcome branch. Now, the models of Brandi are all similar, right? So, the man about in his 70s come to the branch. He speak good English, you know, they articulate, you know, he want to transfer a large sum of money to a foreigner. Our staff are trained to detect all these uh, customers, you know, when you see a large sum of money going to, uh, you know, certain country, we'll ask you a question. We, we, we use what we call a spot framework, like a sense. So, we sense that something is wrong, we plot. So we will ask you a question. We observe how you react, you know, and then we'll take action. This is a spot framework that we developed together with the Singapore police. So in that case, actually, we actually asked the man, you know, the gentleman, why are you transferring? Of course, he was very articulate, very confident, you know. I know this lady for six months, you know, we have been on, a, we text each other every day, you know. So we have to convince him to say, no, 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 this is very standard. Models of brandy. you know. And finally, convince him that, a. Hey, you are likely to fall in, into a love scam, you know, and we manage to stop the money from going out. Having said that, you know, think about it, They are always call for banks to, you know, detect all these suspicious, uh, so-called large sum of uh, payment and call the customer to confirm. Now imagine if we talk to the person in person, you know, and it takes us so long to convince them. I think it's very difficult if, they, if, if the bank would just call on a handphone to advise them that hey, this is likely to be a scam. No. Most likely, the victim would just tell you, no, 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 I know what I'm doing, please go ahead la. So that lies
3: the challenge. yeah. So so Frankie, actually in this case that you just mentioned, how much money was actually involved and how long did it take to convince this guy? Because you know, you said it took quite a while. Okay, so
2: I think the money involved about more than 100000 And And uh, it took a while because we will have to bring the customer aside. In this case, this gentleman is less emotional, you know. So after we share with him many of the similar kind of uh, incidents that we have observed, right, he kind of uh, wavered a bit, you know, and he allowed us to stop the payment. Yeah. But we have cases whereby the victim actually insists that they know what they are doing and they refuse to listen to us. You know? In which case, sometimes we have to enlist the help of the police to come down. You know? So the, the man in blue in the uniform sometimes will have more authority before the victim actually wake up. Like, you know, So we do our best to help them. Like. But you see, the bank cannot unilaterally just stop you from making payment. If you still want to insist, even if a police come, you still insist we can't stop you, you know, because this is your money. You know. But I think we, 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 we want to be able to talk to you in a very convincing way that this likely to be a scam. La. How long does it take on average, um, whether it's for this case or other scams? Okay, in this case, I think it's uh, within an hour or two. La. But there are cases whereby they make a series of payments, you know. You tell them they don't believe. I mean, we have cases, you know, where it was a few days later, after many transfer later, then we managed to convince them. La. Because it depends on the scam. For example, in the China police impersonation scam, they are taking a long time to uh, make you transfer money out, you know. So they may be uh, talking to you. So when we talk to the victim, they may continue to make transfer out. You know? We have to keep on talking to them to say that, no, no, I think you have really fallen into a scam. By which time when you when you really realize they could have made 10 transfer already, uh, you know. As I say, you know, we can't stop the transfer. We can only tell you, you know, but if you refuse to take our advice and you want to insist to make payment, we have to let it go, you know. But sometimes we, if we are quite certain, we will try to get the police or this, angry convincing over a period of time.
1: So Frankie, I'm quite curious, but um, how does UOV convince victims that they are likely um, a victim to a scam? Uh, does UOB show them past articles? Because, you know, people always think they are special, right? They think that it will never happen so to them.
2: So we will show them past cases as it happened. And most of these cases are similar or uh, models of Brandy. As I say, our our frontline staff, uh, they are trained uh, you know, to be uh, empathetic, talk to them nicely. We try to, you know, empathize with them, you know. So that they they, they don't feel get so defensive, you know. And then we will tell them that you know, we have many of similar cases. And hopefully that they suddenly realize that oh yeah, I could be a victim of a scam. Like, yeah. So I think for those where we can detect the branch, our success rate has been quite high, la.
1: But something I find quite insidious is that scammers will transfer money in like small sums and many such transactions. So how does you detect when there are potentially scam transactions that are being performed?
2: if they perform a series of many small payments, it's very difficult for banks to uh, detect. To be honest, this authorized scam. That's why the scammers nowadays are very smart, you know. Although we do have some kind of fraud loop to detect, but it's very difficult to detect all these uh, small transfers. At the branch, usually those who are able to catch is when they transfer a large sum of money. Then we are asked more questions through the SPOT framework, you know then we'll be able to say, hey, I think it's suspicious. Why are you transferring such a large sum of money, let's say to a Nigeria or what, you know? And this is where we will try to convince them that, you know, we see many of such cases happening in the past. And I believe that you are potentially a victim.
0: And once the money is transferred out, what are the chances of getting it back?
2: If the money is transferred within the Singapore banking system, there's still good chance, you know, because the banks work very closely to try to help to recover. But the moment it's out of Singapore, then it's very, very tough, very, very difficult, yeah. When it's within the banking system in Singapore, the banks actually work closely, you know, to help to trace the money and help to uh, work with the
3: police to, to freeze the account.
2: But once the money is out of Singapore, that's it, you know.
3: Frankie, maybe you can share with us, you know, when you share with them, uh, victims that, hey, you know, this it's probably a scam, you know, uh, this level is probably not real. I'm sure there's a lot of emotional turmoil that goes through the head, especially, you know, when they're at the banks already. Can you share with us some examples of this kind of emotional turmoil? Is there ever like screaming at the bank staff or shouting at them or scolding them?
2: Okay, this is not uncommon. Uh. I would say that especially for love scam, right, people hate to believe that they are victim of the love scam, right? Every we believe you that they fall in, people fall in love with them genuinely, right? Now you may tell them that this person that you have been talking to for the past six months, and six months is a long time, you know, Actually, imagine these people talk to you every day, you know, and it's very difficult for them to believe that the person I have been talking to for the past six months is actually a scammer. So they will be very emotional. Sometimes they will even scold you because they say, hey, my friends are in danger, you know, I want to help. You know, So please don't stop me. And, yeah. So we do all we can uh, to basically cool them down and bring some sense to their mind. And, uh. As I say, you know, if we can see the person face to face, you know, every training that is given to our branch staff, the success rate has been quite good, also together with the police. Uh.
3: Sorry, I've got to ask you to delve a bit deeper into, you know, the scenarios of what happens, you know, when the person uh, is told that they fall for scams. I mean, you said that they sometimes, you know, score the staff and say, I don't, I don't believe you, my friends, are enjoy that. But what happens when they actually realise, hey, this bank staff is telling the truth and then, you know, this person who says he has loved me for six months is actually not real? Are they very heartbroken? Do they cry in a bank or anything like that? I think they appear disappointed. Remember, the
2: money is not out yet. La. So the damage is still not that big. La. So now it's more emotionally hurt. La, right? Imagine the money out is very different. La, right? So here, then they will start to have a sense of, at uh, first of self-denial, right? After that, they will have to uh, accept it. And then they will cool down. It, it, and they tend to be a uh, appreciative of the bank's effort. La, when they realize that, you know, yeah. You actually helped me to save the money.
3: So are there any other challenges, you know, you foresee in the near future when it comes to scams in Singapore? I mean, it's rapidly evolving and changing all the time, right? So um, how does the bank tackle this constant change? Now, when we come to authorised scam like love scam, investment scam, all this,
2: I think we have to do a lot of education. I think the only way is that the public have to be vigilant, right? because that is very difficult for banks to intervene because these are authorized transactions, right? But what the bank do is that we will try to make, make all these uh, case study available to the people, you know. In fact, we, as an industry, we are looking at even doing crime watch all this to make the people aware that these crimes are happening, right? Now, at the end of the day, I think there will always be victims. Uh. But what we hope to do is to minimize the number of victims and minimize the, number of, uh, the amount of the scam losses. Uh.
1: Frankie, I um, understand that recently there was a spate of scams linked to Carousel and the banks uh, were deciding whether they should introduce friction to slow down certain transactions. Can you sh- like share a bit about that? Is that still happening?
2: No, I'll put it this way that whenever there is a scam attack, banks will take tactical measures uh, and such measures will always result in some inconvenience to the consumer. And usually we will publicly announce to the consumer, but we will not tell you what exactly we do, lah, right? But as I always say, you know, that, that we need to balance uh, speed and convenience. So whenever the scam risk is lower or subsist, then we things will go back to normal. So banks must be agile enough to be able to uh, look out tactical measures to fight scam, you know. And consumers have to understand that sometimes we have to do that to protect them, you know. Find us on Apple, Spotify,
0: Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices.
3: And now, back to my conversation with my co-hosts, Andre Yeo, Jesse Lim, and our guest, Mr. Frankie Poir, Head of Group Risk Management at UOB. So Frankie, maybe you can tell us you know, how scams have uh, thrown a spanner in the works you know, for Singapore's digitalization efforts. So I think importantly,
2: first of all, we have to recognize that we want to be a smart nation. Digitalization is the way to go. Now, we have been so besetting, so focused on making digitization customer journey seamless, fast, very efficient, you know. What we have forgotten is that, you know, we should always wear the hat of the scammer, you know. When things are so convenient, so seamless, how easy are the scammer able to exploit? this convenient to their advantage. So going forward, I think it becomes necessary for us, you know, as we design any customer journey, we must always bear in mind what the scammer will think about it and what they will exploit to make it more convenient. Now, with all these phishing scam that has happened, definitely it creates certain kind of uh, worries and anxiety over the consumer. Am I safe in using digital banking services? Naturally, there will be a reaction. A lot of people will say that hey, maybe to make digital banking service secure, safe, maybe we should lower the transaction limit. Today's 200000 lower to 10000 But I think this is a kneaded reaction, you know, because we should not be reacting this way. We should be coming up with measures that we think are effective. And the most effective measure is that we must always have a scammer's mind, you know, as we design our, all this journey. And I think every customer journey that we design, we always try to imagine how the fraudster will exploit it. I think we are safer. On the larger scale of things, I will, I will think that it is important for everybody to stay vigilant. I always say, never, never give away your banking credential, whether to a chatbot, to a you know banking website or not. Never, never do that. And then we are all safe.
1: Are there any new trends, any new scam variants that UOB has observed recently? I
2: think for the past, one year. Most of the scam that we see are non-bank phishing scam already because of the measures that was implemented. It make it not worthwhile for the scammer to target bank phishing scam. That's why they go to other kind of scam like the LTA scam, the simple scam, that kind of things. But importantly, as I said, if you look at the scam losses, the statistics provided by the police, 99% are authorized scams. That means they don't bother to go to the bank phishing scam or this. They just directly get involved with love scam, investment scam, job scam. In fact, job scam is the largest uh, authorized scam that we see last year.
0: Perhaps you can uh, remind our listeners what were some of the anti-scam measures the uh, banking industry took?
2: I think one of the measures that we took was to introduce the 12-hour cooling period when you provision a new digital token. so that during that 12-hour period, you know, once you provision a new token, now you think about it this way, for bank phishing scam, for unauthorized scam, the scammer will need to provision a new token or they need to lock in with a new device. Now, so if you want to lock in with a new device, with a new token, and now it's subject to a 12-hour cooling period, during this 12-hour cooling period, the bank will send you a notice to you to tell you that a new digital token has been provisioned. So you are already alerted. So you have time to react right? So I think this is effective. Now, from the point of view of the scammer, the 12-hour cooling period uh, may not make it worthwhile for them to uh, use these models for brandy, you know, because for one handphone for 12 hours, uh, they, they they have to stay on it for 12 hours, you know, just to scam you, you know. Who knows uh, the potential within they target inside, maybe only got $20. Without the cooling period, the scammer will just provision a new token, they will just go in, take the money out, you know. With the cooling period, I think it has been quite effective. Because it's it's no longer worthwhile for the scammer because they need a lot, a lot of devices just to wait 12 hours, you know, to clean up the values out of your accounts, right? Other measures that we have put in, with, you know, is included, we bring down the transaction limits, for example. So all the default transaction limits today, we brought it down to 5,000, right? So this is to minimize the loss so that even if one day, you know, you do not have the presence of mind, you will fall prey to a scammer, the loss is 5,000, so these are some of the friction that we introduce, you know, even for pay now, you know, some banks also have a cooling period if you add a payee, la, right? So again, it's a trade-off. La. So you'll find irritated, oh, I want to uh, pay 6000 for example, to someone. Hey, why is subject to cooling period? But we try to avoid all these inconvenient, like, you know, cooling period, la, because that, that will make your digital banking journey a bit bumpy, you know, it's not seamless, la. yeah.
3: So uh, is it safe to say, you know, that you are very confident uh, that a large-scale bank phishing kind of attack will not happen again?
2: I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I would say that scammers are all always thinking of how to scam us. But I'm what I'm saying is that this measure has proven to be effective, right? But the scammer are always smarter than us. So they may come back again. you know, Because sometimes they can try to scam for a very small sum of money, right? So you see, we don't make it so inconvenient for you to transfer a few hundred dollars. So a scammer can always try to do that, alright?
0: Perhaps you could share with us another real-life example that your bank came across where a customer was scammed and you all managed to prevent the transfer of a large sum of money.
2: I mean, one of the examples we had was, is a huge sum of money that was transferred from the victim's CPF. The scammer asked the victim to transfer from her CPF into the bank account.
0: How much money was
2: involved? We're talking about a million dollar money. And subsequently, the scammer, this again is an authorized scam. The scammer convinced the victim to make a series of transfer out of the UOB account to other banks' account. And along the way, we detected there is some suspicious transaction. And we started to talk to the victim. As normal, the victim was quite confident that you know she knew what she was doing and she refused to uh, to listen to us, and we actually Get the police to go down to her residence and finally, finally convince her. But by that time, a large sum of money already transferred out, like, you know so so that is always a tragic part of it, you know, that you know a lot of times they do not believe you. and by the time they believe, you know, you could be at the tail end already. yeah,
0: so how much money did she lose in total? It's about a million, almost a million, yeah,
1: but why was she so insistent upon transferring the money? Was she a victim of a love scam or?
2: This is a police impersonation scammer. This one, the scammer actually play on your fear. So you are fearful of them, you know. So they are telling you that you're under investigation. You're not supposed to talk to anyone, you know. And they actually talk to you every day. In fact, every day you have to report to them three, four times a day, you know. So imagine if you are alone, you know, and uh, you have nobody to speak to and you really believe that they are the police and they will tell you that people will come and say that you don't transfer all this money. Don't listen to them but their mind is already taken over by the scammer. So this is a very uh, tragic part of it. They are very fearful,
0: you know. So how did COVID-19 contribute to the worsening problem of scams? Because, you know, people were isolated. They were, you know, they couldn't be with loved ones and so on.
2: I, I will relate this to you know, the fact that in, during COVID-19, we also want to make sure that everybody's mental well-being is taken care of. We talk about mental health, right? It is the same, right? So the scammer also prey on you because of that. You, know. so you are isolated, you are alone at home, I start to prey on you. And because you don't go out to interact with a lot of people, you may not talk to a lot of people, this is where the scammer have the opportunity to come and uh, scam you, right? And also, uh, because of the covid more and more people use uh, digital services also. So that is also open up the pool of people who are using a lot of digital services. Now we say COVID uh, is the best digitization marketing officer, right? It it drives the digitization uh, of the whole country, you know, overnight, you know, right? And because people start to use all these digital services, you are alone at home, you are not interacting with your colleagues and the scammers start playing on your mental health and try to uh, scam you, uh, yeah.
1: So I'm curious, but in that specific case, the uh, victim who lost about $1 million from their CPF, I mean, were they like a retiree, a retired old lady, for example?
2: In that case, it is a retired old lady. But it, I want to caution that there is a tendency for us to think that victims are usually the elderly. But that is not the case, you know. As what I think Sun Shueling said last week in the uh, Scamina, right? Victims are all from all walks of life, like. But we tend to be more sympathetic to the elderly, lah, right? Because precisely they are, you know, they are elderly, they are retirees, they need the money. But all of us here, you know, cannot be too confident that we will not be a victim of scam, you know, yeah. All of us are potentially, you know, can be a victim of a scam if we are not careful. So we have to stay vigilant.
0: What are some of the professions that you have seen who have fallen victims to? So it's all walks uh, of
2: life, accountant, lawyer, doctor, everybody. So the point I make is always this, and I, well, I make it a point, you know, I share this with my family, my wife, my daughter, you know, because the last thing I want is that, why well, you know, I'm so involved in anti-scam measure, my wife or my daughter become a victim of a scam, right? So I think it's important for us to always share this story of our friends or this, you know, because we always think that we will not be a victim, you know. We could be, you know, we could be, we don't know, you know. But it's important that we educate our people. When something happens, we share with our loved one, you know, to say, hey, this case happened, this is exactly what happened, you know. Say, for example, we may want to tell our loved one to say that if somebody claims to be the police and asks you to report to them every four hours, please let me know or let you know, you know, so that you can guide them because don't want them to be alone. yeah. Mm-hmm. In
0: 2021, when, you know, we had that big saga of the local bank, um, you know, its customers lost $13, $14 million, right, to the uh, phishing scam. There was the debate of who should bear the losses. So when a bank customer loses money to scams, um, who's responsible, you know, who should pay, the customer or the bank?
2: Okay, so this is a very tricky question. I only want to say this, uh, everybody has a role to play, to, to, to fight scams, All right, As a consumer, as a customer... I should never, never divulge my banking credential to anybody. This is the minimal I ask of. it's hygiene, you know, right? If you give your credential away, if, if you like you're giving your wallet away, you know. Today, if you lose your wallet, you know, with all the money inside, who are you gonna bring, you know? You can't bring anyone because all the money is in the wallet, all right? So I, I think the key thing is that have you as a consumer given away all this very sensitive credential. At the bank, there are certain res- responsibilities we need to do because when you make a certain transfer, you change a limit or you add a payee, we send you a notification to inform you. Yeah, So all in all, I, I think everybody has a role to play. But importantly is that who to compensate should be predicated on the principle of not encouraging moral hazard. Right? If you say that every losses the bank has to pay, then there will be, everybody will be happily giving away bank. We should not have a situation of moral hazard, all right? But certainly, banks and consumer, even the ecosystem that the telco is, all of us have a part to play. Yeah.
1: Um, so Frankie, I'm just curious, but what are some new initiatives that are in the pipeline that you will be or banks are going to roll out to tackle the scourge of scams?
2: I think one of the very uh, powerful concept which I passionately believe in is the concept of a money lock. Now, this is something that, as an industry, we are still styling it. I something that I personally advocated. You know, um, the concept of money lock is this. You know, imagine you know you have uh, a lot of money in the bank, and you ask yourself, you know, I don't want to wake up one morning, you know, in the wrong frame of mind, a scammer call me and I lose all the money in the account. How much? of the money I have in the account, I should lock it up. Once you lock it up, it means that it can never be digitally transferred out. So if, if your risk is, let's say, 10000 it will say that, okay, I have one million in my account. Only 10000 can be made available for digital transfer. This is the concept of the money lock. you know. Now, it means that at any point in time, there will only be 10000 in the account that can be transferred out. Now, if you want to put more money into the account, for digital services, you have to go to the branch. Yeah? Now, so what it, what it means here is that if today if you suddenly in the wrong frame of mind, wake up, the wrong side of the bed, you know, a scammer call you and you so carelessly divulge everything, your credential to the scammer, you know your maximum loss is 10000 Now, this money lock concept is meant to be a way to empower the consumer to protect himself or herself. It will be given to the consumer at his or her option to activate it, you know. But if a consumer felt that, no, I want convenience. I don't no need to lock my money. I'm always alert. So be it, you know, because we don't want to create unnecessary convenience. But I believe there are many people who believe that, you know, I will never transfer so much money out for my uh, account anyway. I want to have the option to lock the money. And this is where the money lock come in, you know. And for people, you know, men in the street, they may decide to say, I want to have only 5,000 exposed to potential scam risks that doesn't mean that we encourage the scammer to scam that 5000 What we are saying is that, you know, at least the bulk of your savings are safe because we use digital banking services because of the convenience. We need to transfer money to our loved one or this. So this allows us to, you know, mitigate our risk, limiting our risk exposure, yet at the same time, enjoy the benefit of digital banking services. So yeah, at your option.
1: I think it's a great initiative. Uh, how soon can we see Money Lock possibly being implemented?
2: I think the industry has studied this quite in detail and uh, hopefully, you know, soon will be some of the banks will be able to load out in one form and another. Now, today, I think the devil is in the details, alright. but this is, a, as I said, it's a concept. And I think most banks uh, agree that this is a good concept to inspire confidence in digital banking so that everybody feel that, you know, I can have the safety of digital banking with the convenience which come along with it. Thanks, Frankie, for being on our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me here and uh, the opportunity to share my views on scams that are happening in Singapore.
0: And that was Frankie Poir, Head of Group Risk Management at UOB, on how the bank tackles scams and protects its customers from them. That's a wrap for Stop Scams, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Andre Yo. I'm David Sun.
1: And I'm Jessie Lim.
0: Once again, don't forget to share this podcast episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to read our Stop Scams articles, there's a link in our podcast text description below.
3: That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon
0: Alexa enabled devices.